So maybe around this time of year, or soon at least, maybe some of your children uh, used to or do make Christmas lists. Sometimes we did that when we were kids. And uh, I certainly never got everything that I wrote down on my Christmas list. That would have been ridiculous. My parents knew better as well, that it wouldn't have even been good for me if I had gotten everything on my Christmas list. But sadly, some, some children's relationships with their parents are based on that, or based on getting things from them only, and are built on uh, getting whatever they want. And that's not healthy for the children. My, my children know that we want to give them good things, uh, that we care about them, uh, but that we don't, certainly don't give them everything that they want. But they've learned to ask for the things that they know that we give them, or that we know that we want to give them, uh, sometimes a lot. It seems like not a day would go by that they don't ask for their vitamin gummies. They like them as well as they're good for them, so that kind of works out. But sometimes they'll ask for them multiple times a day, and they've already had them, right? It would not, would not be good. But uh, I, I bring that up because uh, in a lot of ways, the relationship with parents to their children is like our relationship with God to us. And in prayer, specifically how we talk to God, how we ask Him for things at times, how we talk uh, about Him, to Him, all those things uh, are super important for the Christian. And the Gospel of Luke actually talks probably more about prayer than any of the other Gospels. It's often sometimes called the Gospel of Prayer uh, because there's an emphasis of prayer throughout the Gospel and also its sequel, the book of Acts. So I want to look at the prayer parables, as I will call them, in the book of Luke. Uh, two of them are here in chapter 18. We'll also look at two others. Uh, but uh, we have two parables here about uh, prayer, about how we talk to God. So Mike already read, uh, the first one is about a widow and a judge. And uh, this is one of the few times here and in the next parable, actually, that we're told why Jesus is telling this parable, even before he tells it. Specifically, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And what you have here is a woman who, a widow, who is seeking justice. Somehow an injustice has been done her and she is seeking justice from this judge, but the judge is unrighteous. He's an unjust judge. He doesn't care about her plea. And he only ends up answering and, and, and giving her justice after she continually comes to him over and over and over again. And just kind of through wearing him out, he finally gives in. But then it says there in verse 6, And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The last phrase there, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I think it's a key to this parable because Jesus is focusing on the fact that we don't persevere in prayer. Uh, we don't keep praying sometimes as a reflection of our lack of faith, our lack of trust in God, um, and that he really answers prayers. So this parable teaches me something about God's character. As actually, by contrast to the unjust judge, God is not like that judge. He wants to give me justice, and it says quickly, 
He wants to do that. He cares about us. He wants to give us what we need. He's a good judge. And he will bring about justice in our, in, in our lives. And this should cause us to come to him often, day and night, it says, because we trust um, what is true about his character, that he does want to answer our prayers. And that's really I want to, what I want to see as kind of a thread throughout all these parables that we're going to look at is that you see something about God that should embolden us or give us faith to come to God regularly and continue petitioning him for things and talking to him. I want to look at uh, two other parables because I think they're really similar to this one in particular. In the book of Luke, in chapter 11, if you would turn there. We'll look at these before we go back and then look at the second parable in Luke 18. So this is in the context of when Jesus' disciples had asked him to teach them how to pray. And that's uh, really appropriate, right? That uh, they would have asked him that, how do we talk to the Father? And he gives uh, what some call the the model prayer there in verses 2 through 4. And then in verse 5, he says, And then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So this, this parable reminds me a lot of the one we just read in Luke 18, in the fact that uh, it's through, in some versions there, actually, instead of shameless audacity, they say persistence. And so uh, perhaps that was the idea. Perhaps it was by him coming persistently to his neighbor, his neighbor gave in. Or perhaps uh, some, some versions use the word impudence or shameless audacity. So maybe the idea is more than just his persistence. It was the neighbor's boldness and coming to him at night. Uh, coming to him to um, ask, like after the door is already locked, at an hour when you normally would not ask, to, to come to him boldly and, and actually ask for something. Where, whereas maybe it would seem rude to us, uh, which is what impudence means. He had this boldness to come to his neighbor. Um, think about some times in scripture when people prayed like this. They prayed with shameless audacity or boldness to ask for something that it seemed like you, are you allowed to ask for that? <laughs> like, for example, people praying for children even after the years of childbearing. After those years were over. Praying that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. As Jesus talked about praying that a mountain be uprooted and moved into the sea. Right? Are, are you allowed to ask for those things? But this, prayer, uh, this parable, I think, teaches the idea of boldness in prayer. That we need to, ask, we need to with faith, ask God to do things that, uh, believing that he has the power to do it. Again, it's all rooted in the idea of God, of God's character, right? We believe he's able, he's powerful, and also that he's good. He cares for us. He wants to give us good things. And actually, that's really the next parable, if you, if you, if you want to consider it one. It's, it's just three verses. But um, I want to read that verse 11 through 13. 
says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we have, uh, once again, by contrast, comparing God to a father in, in, in similarity in that he is a father, but in contrast in that he is not evil. He says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more God, right? So God is a good father. It was very similar to the one in Luke 18 where he's not an unjust judge, but rather a good judge. But he knows how to give good gifts. I mentioned earlier how we want to give our children good things. That doesn't mean we give them everything that they want. And that's, that's the same with God as a good father. It doesn't mean he gives us everything that we want. But it certainly means that he gives us what's helpful for us. What, and, and, and he shows his care for us in that way. So I think that means that our persistence in prayer is not because somehow we have to convince God to give us things, right? Because God already wants to. So I think it's more about the idea of us coming to him regularly to show that not only do we know God cares about this, but we care about it and we want, we, we, we believe that he will answer our prayers. So we keep coming. We don't lose heart. Because sometimes he doesn't give us what we ask for. I want to give a specific example. Uh, my, my children love dessert, candy, things like that. But if I gave them dessert every time that they asked for it, then they wouldn't have any teeth, right? Uh, it wouldn't be good for them. And sometimes uh, we ask God for things and it does come, but at a later date. Uh, it doesn't come right away. God knows how to give good gifts and also he knows how to give them at a good time or at the right time. You remember Zechariah and Elizabeth at the beginning of this book, at the beginning of Luke in chapter 1. And the angel appears to Zechariah and he says, your prayer has been heard. Now, this is when Zechariah is already old. He might think, well, what prayer are we talking about? And it was the prayer that they have children because they hadn't yet had children. And uh, God was waiting for a very specific time to give them John, John the Baptist. Uh, But his prayer had been heard. But it wasn't, at the time when they prayed it originally, it was not uh, the right time. So sometimes God gives us, doesn't give us what we ask for, and sometimes he gives us what we ask for, but at a later date. So looking at all this, I think, you'll, I think you see that our faith ultimately is not in prayer itself. Our faith is in the Father, trusting that he is a good Father, he's going to take care of me, And he may not fulfill my requests or he may delay my requests, but he knows what's best. Because if my my faith is in prayer as a practice, then I'm going to get discouraged because sometimes it's going to seem like it's not working or it's not effective. But knowing God's character pushes me to trust him, to keep praying, even if the thing that I'm asking for has not been granted. Notice uh, in verse 13 of Luke 11, Specifically, what the Father wants to give us. Perhaps most of all. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Sometimes, I mean, we're certainly encouraged to ask for things like daily bread um, and and, uh, the things that we need every day. 
But what the, Holy, what, what the Father wants to give us, perhaps more than anything, is he wants to give us his Holy Spirit. He wants to live in us, uh, which is an amazing thing. He knows way better the kind of gifts that we need than we do. You might think of uh, what the promise was there on the day of Pentecost when they asked Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God knows how to give good gifts. And the very next verse says, and this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So this is a promise uh, of a gift that God wants to give us um, and how to get it as well, how to receive him into, into us. And it's at baptism when we ask him for this, essentially. Acts 22, verse 16 is, says, Why do you wait? Arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. So the Lord knows what uh, good gifts are that we need, uh, the Holy Spirit being the foremost. And you might think of uh, one more example in the book of Luke where Jesus is approached by a leper. And the leper does not question Jesus' power to heal him. He says, though, if you are willing, I know that you can heal me. So he, he's confident about Jesus' power. What he's not confident about in that moment, at least, is Jesus' willingness to heal him. And Jesus' response is, I am willing. Be cleansed. And that, I mean, the perfect reflection of the Father's love for us. Sometimes maybe we doubt God's willingness, his like, does God really want to give me this? Does God really want to help me in this way? Uh, but Jesus is a perfect reflection of the Father, and he is willing. He wants to give you good gifts. Let's go ahead and look at the second parable in Luke 18. You can turn back there to Luke 18. Again, in verse 9, we're given the purpose or the context for this parable to some who are confident or trusting in their own righteousness, and look down on everyone else. Is the way the NIV reads there. So uh, we know this this parable well, where the the Pharisee stands in the temple. He thanks God that he's not like other people, uh, not like this tax collector who's standing over there or down there afar off, and he, th- he he boasts about himself. But then in contrast, you have this tax collector who is humble, will not even raise his eyes to God, beats his breast and says, be be merciful to me, God, a sinner. So really, I think what we learn from this parable is that prayer ought to be an expression of our trust in the Father, um, as we've been seeing, but also that God is merciful, that he forgives sins. The Pharisee, by contrast, was trusting in his own righteousness, trusting in himself, and uh, confident in that way. But when we come to God, we are humbled. We trust in God's ability to forgive, God's willingness to show mercy to us. Let's look at, I, I want to kind of analyze each, each person in this parable. There's two men, right? They come to the temple. Uh, first of all, the Pharisee is standing, right? So you, even his posture Perhaps it's not that it's wrong to stand and pray, but in this case, I think he's standing 
because he wouldn't dare be as humble as to kneel or lay down before God. And he barely even addresses God, right? He's really praying about himself. Look at his adoration. Many times we start, begin a prayer with adoration, which I think is very appropriate to do. But his adoration is all about himself, boasting about what he's done, right? He fasts twice a week, gives a tenth of all that he has, not like other people. His, all of his adoration is praising himself, and it starts with I. He's trusting in his own righteousness. He doesn't feel like he needs God. So he's really just using God kind of as an audience to boast. And his prayer uh, for him is self-promotion. And I think this is important because prayer ought to humble us so that in, uh, when we come to God, we see ourselves in the right way before God. Uh, we first see how amazing God is, how awesome he is, and then we see in the light of his character, our own sin, our own unworthiness, our own lowliness and smallness before God. And when we do that, when we see ourselves accurately before God, because of his character, then we're going to see other people correctly too. This man did not see the tax collector correctly. He judged him. He thought of himself as better than the tax collector. When it really should have been, he should have been asking God to make him more like the tax collector. Right? Let's look at the tax collector. He uh, stood a distance away. His posture is much more humble. His face was down. He was beating his breast. He asks God for mercy because he knew that he was a sinner. So as I pray, I come before God and I become much more acutely aware of God's holiness, his greatness, and my own sinfulness in the light of that, my own smallness. You may think of other times in the book of Luke when this happens. For example, when they have the great catch of fish, the disciples have this huge catch of fish that they uh, fished all night and weren't able to catch. And as soon as they pull it all in the boat, Peter looks at Jesus and he says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. When he realized he was in the presence of God, when he was in the presence of greatness, then he was humbled. Um, he was brought low. And that should be our reaction as well. I want to finish with uh, just thinking about a few lessons that we can learn from this. For me, I think often prayer is kind of like a barometer spiritually for me, uh, for how I'm doing in my soul. And when I've realized that I've not been praying as I should, I've not been regularly coming before God, then I, I realize what's really happening there, if I'm honest with myself, is that I'm trusting in myself rather than in God. And even though I would never say this out loud, I'm really saying, God, I can handle this on my own, which is certainly not true. If you think about it, both of these parables uh, in Luke 18 here, really all of the parables that we read, are all about trusting God, right? We persist in prayer because we trust that God is good. He wants to give us good gifts. Um, this gives us boldness to keep praying and not give up. We have humility in prayer from the second parable because we trust God who's merciful and forgives, and we trust not in our own righteousness. So as we uh, go throughout this next week, I pray that, especially as we're reminded about uh, how thankful we ought to be for all the Lord's given us, let's remember to trust God.
throughout, throughout our daily lives. Um, just have a constant awareness. Like, don't make a decision without asking God about it. Every day we ought to do that. And that's, I'm, I'm saying this to, to myself as well because I know that I need it desperately. If there's uh, anyone who would like to make a change in their life, now is a perfect time. I, I love the fact that when we come together, it's, it's a time when I'm encouraged by everyone around me and I'm really challenged myself to think about how am I doing spiritually? How am I uh, doing before the Lord? It's a time to reflect. And so uh, make that change right now. If there is something you need to make public, we also provide a time for that as well. Um, if you're not a Christian, now would be the perfect time. You're not assured of tomorrow. And so you can do that today. Uh, we'll now sing the last song.